Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, this is the Napsock Files. And I'm Ken Napsock here for a special Q&A edition made up. For my Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash the Napsack Files. And I know, you know, we have that show uh, monthly, the TNF Hotline, where we got people calling in. And and I was working towards that. But I just decided as a, you know, post-holidays, it's busy around my life right now. I just want to sit down and do more of a simple show and a classic old style. Yeah, old style. We're talking like early 2010s version of like a YouTube or podcast Q&A episode where people write in, get some conversation started, and maybe answer some questions and dive in. Get a different perspective. Get me to talk about things I don't normally do. Maybe some deep questions, maybe some wild and wacky ones. But I thought, hey, coming out of Thanksgiving, heading into the uh, Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, winter solstice, Kwanzaa, holiday season, whatever it may be that you want to celebrate or not, it's still busy. So... That's what we're going to do. TNF Q&A here. But I do want to say that this episode, this particular episode, is sponsored by the book, The Female Gaze, Essential Movies Made by Women. This is by the wonderful Alicia Malone, friend of the show. If you've been listening for a long time, you remember her wonderful interviews on this station, on this podcast feed. And for a while, we did the... Uh, the show uh, Alicia Malone's Film School, where she taught me to appreciate some movies I had not seen, not slowed down to see some classics. Uh, so you guys know Alicia. You know her first book, Backward and in Heels, uh, big hit. And she has just released her second book, The Female Gaze, Essential Movies Made by Women. Uh, a lot of uh, words from Alicia in this, but also I know some uh, appearances from some other writers and it's, uh, it's uh, I think, an essential read for all of you, and you can get it on Amazon right now. Uh, there's, it's available for Kindle, and you can get a good hardcover version of the book. A hardcover, that is, that's impressive. When you write a book and you get the hardcover, that's when you know you have really arrived. But check it out, The Female Gaze, Essential Movies Made by Women by the wonderful Alicia Malone. You tell Alicia that we sent you if you buy it and uh, reach out to her and let uh, let her know how much you appreciate the book and how much you enjoy the book. Out now. Out now. So let's get to this Q&A. All right. I went to my Patreon supporters, all of them, all tiers, everybody, and said, hey, this has got a last minute. I'm cramming for a big exam, but hey, maybe uh, if you're up to it, ask me some questions. And by golly, they did. By golly. Golly, they did. So, we're going to dive in. These questions go all over the place. And I love that. 
So I don't even know if I have an order. I've, I've read them all. I've looked at them. But, uh, you know, we're just going to roll with it. First one up. Rob Clark, he asks, what is the best food court restaurant? Now, as Rob knows, as I think is the reason he asked me this question, you all know or should know, after working in malls in one particular mall for most 17 years, uh, 12 of that in one particular mall, the Northridge Fashion Center, worked over the Farmer's Market, the original Los Angeles Farmer's Market, historical landmark. Uh, it's not just like a weekend Farmer's Market with some tables and some fruit. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. Um, and on that property sits The Grove, Caruso Properties, uh, The Grove, uh, the Fountain, TMZ, Celebrities, Big Pacific Theaters there. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, lifestyle center. Well, actually, no, it's not even a lifestyle center because they don't have apartments there. But the Americana in Glendale, the other big Caruso property, that's a lifestyle center. If you can live there and shop there, it's a lifestyle center. But I've got some opinions on food courts. Food courts in malls. Um, and you could have food court in an airport. So we'll, we'll tailor it to malls, but you can take this out. I do have a lot of thoughts about this. I've seen a lot of restaurants come and go in food courts. A lot of them. I've seen some stand pat. Stick around. Stay. And I got to tell you, it's the simple classics that stick around the most and seem to work. I mean, we're talking couple restaurants were there at my particular, uh, you know, mall location for over 20 years before, for various reasons, finally changed out. That's a long run. In an industry where you can see even name brand, big name kind of restaurants come and go and fade and not work, you can see what sticks around. And I'll tell you what sticks around. Like simple, straightforward Chinese food. Simple straightforward, like Italian food and pizza. And then what I, I, I didn't work initially, but started to work early 2000s. I saw this a lot. The just straight ahead, simple Japanese food. And uh, that and sandwich shops. Yes, maybe. See Mongolian beef places stick around. There is only one restaurant at this particular mall I'm thinking of, and you got malls all over the world. But there's one that lasted and still going, still going. Talking over 20 years, even though I've stopped working there, it's still there. I worked, uh, you know, 17 years. It was still there. Add, add about three, four more now. 20 years, and it is Tommy's. Now, Tommy Burger out here in Los Angeles and SoCal region is a, a pretty popular and, and famous chain. Uh, Tommy Chili Burgers. They're messy. They're good. Uh, there's the original one in, in Los Angeles on Rampart Street. Uh, Rampart Avenue. I don't know. Rampart Court. No. Rampart. Um, and it's branched out. But here's the thing. The one that's been in the mall, the one that's there, is a fake Tommy's. At one point, the name... Uh, Tommy's with a Y was like the real one. And then there, someone along the way opened up a chain of Tommy's burgers with 
I-E at the end. Your Tommy's with the Y, Tommy's with the I-E. And the I-E was the fake one, the knockoff. But it looked the same and, quite frankly, tasted, tasted the same. And a lot of people didn't know this. And that one's still going. Still going. I have seen everything else come and go. I have seen the fancy. I've seen the fabulous. I've seen the name brands like Quiznos and stuff. I've seen them go. But this off-brand knockoff chili burger stand basically stuck around. And the reason I say it's the simple ones is when you're shopping and you're busy and you're going to sit and you're making that choice to sit in the mall food court. And that's a choice. Not going to sit down in a restaurant because a lot of the malls, that's what's working. Where JCPenney's and Sears and Macy's and all these big anchor stores are struggling. Restaurants generally still sticking around doing good business. So if you're going to go to a food court, you're making that choice. Yeah, it's a pretty good choice. And I'll tell you what, I've seen over the years, fancy gourmet this or uh, 49 time uh, t- types of mac and cheese. Um, our sandwiches are made with class, like all these things. Gone, poof, nothing. But Tony's Italian Pizzeria still serving cannolis, lasagna, spaghetti, pasta, slice of cheese pizza. You can get that. And then it's the Chinese food. Get some orange chicken, get some, uh, you know, pork, all this stuff. Simple. Name of the restaurant has changed, but that one's still going. People want that. And then in the early 2000s, sushi craze kind of pops up, at least here in Los Angeles. And so, like, a, a, a couple Japanese-themed restaurants popped in. And, like, I don't know. And then I would get them. But I don't know how many people want to get some sushi rolls from a mall location, to be fair. And at the time, I didn't think it would work. Thought it was a fad because all my friends at the time were like, "Oh, you've got to try sushi. Oh, you haven't had good sushi yet." Yeah, and and here, boom, there it is, still going strong, still going strong. Simple, direct. You're shopping, you're busy, you see something you recognize. Chinese food, Japanese food, and what is this T- Italian food? We're going now. Uh, I've also a uh, Mexican food place lasts a long time. That's very popular. That's one of my favorite choices, but. I think that one finally went away. That one finally went away. But I think you could, that's a pretty safe bet. So that's my analysis of it. Rob's asking what's the best food court restaurant. He wants a specific answer. And uh, that is that is why uh, if I today am wandering around, what choice am I going to make? I tell you what, it's that chili cheeseburger place. Tommy's, fake or not, it's just great. It's bad. Oh, it's bad. It's a eat it by yourself and go home and weep kind of meal. You know what I mean? I don't want friends or loved ones around if you've had a good Tommy burger. But that's my choice. With some analysis. All right? Okay. Jason Humphreys, the hump over there in the UK, he asks, is there a mistake that you keep making even though you know better and you can't help yourself? Well, eating Tommy burgers might be that mistake. No, um... Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It's 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 it ties into my lack of. Uh, I I don't like to prepare, and I like to fly by the seat of my pants a little bit. I like things organized. I like, the, but I do a lot too many times. The old "I'll start it tomorrow" thing. We'll get it tomorrow. I need to rest. And 
That's all right sometimes. That's fine. But that is not a way to go through life. Because I'll tell you what, I, you know those little things that pop up on the, you know, your calendar reminders? For me, using a MacBook or, or your iPhone, Google, I'm sure Android's probably have their own version of it. We all get those reminders. Uh, hey, turn in your uh, paperwork tomorrow, noon, reminder. And you do the snooze thing. Remind me in an hour. Hour. Hey, it's your computer. Uh, why don't you uh, turn in that paperwork? Uh, you get snooze, four hours. Four hours later. Hey, it's your uh, computer one more time. What do you think about turning the paperwork that you needed? Snooze tomorrow. I have one. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up right now. I wish I could. Uh, I'm going to bring up my, my reminders. Yes. I have one reminder. I'm not going to say what it is. I have one reminder that I entered in to be due, okay? To be due, which means I didn't put it in on this date. But I said, by this date, let's get it done. The reminder was for January 17th, 2018, the beginning of this year, 9.30 a.m. in the morning. That makes a difference. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, still snoozing that one. It's a simple one. Still haven't completed that task. Now, I'm looking at my, my reminders. I have 1,028 tasks completed. So I get some things done, Jason. Stop accusing me of things. But I think that's the thing. It is the old wait till tomorrow. And when it comes to your career, especially if someone like me and you're pursuing a creative career, um, that you don't want that stuff to be delayed. And I've tried to get better. And it's not just about answering emails. It's just I have a sense of I just... I can't deal with this right now. I'll get to it. And that's an okay sentiment. It's not that I've got this chaotic life. It's just things are always busy. And there is a depth chart of problems, and I have no problem admitting that. You might send me a message and say, hey, here's some things. What do you think? And the honest thing is it might be number four on my list, and that's just going to be the way. And you'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. If it's tremendously timely, I'll try to get to it. But there's, there's been times I have to admit this is why I don't want to don't want to do this, and I keep on myself. I have, uh, I have, I have gone to click on something. Oh, I've got an email. Oh, the day that's done. I've gotten better with the reminders, though. I used to never really use that reminder uh, thing or a calendar, um, you know. But the problem with me is, is it doesn't matter sometimes, and this is where I have to learn that lesson. This is where I have to buckle down and make that change is I will have a reminder pop up on my computer and phone. It's, uh, it's a computer. You want to go ahead and sign up for that class. And then I'll have it on, like, my Gmail, so then I'll get a notification. Hello, it's your Gmail calendar. Uh, would you consider signing up for that class you said you were interested in a long time ago? And then I'll have it written down on my refrigerator on, like, a whiteboard. Uh, not the refrigerator itself, but just whiteboard. Like, hey, it's your refrigerator. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and sign up for that class. Won't do it. Yeah, by the way, there's a lot of different weird voices in my house. And that's the problem. All right, so that's the mistake. That's the mistake. I don't know if that was specifically kind of a mistake. You know, stubbing my toes also a mistake, too. Putting the wrong date on a check, that's a mistake. But this was this is the mental mistake I keep making, even though I know better. I know better. All right. Miranda Benningfield writes in. First of all, hello, Miranda. She writes, 
I know you like to read the Game of Thrones books. Any other book series you enjoy and or recommend? All right. Yes, I do enjoy the Game of Thrones series, and I do love to read. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Not all my books are here. I got some in storage. I finally gave a ton away. Uh, donated them when I tried to 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 uh, when I moved, and I try actually I tried to sell them. They rejected all but like three books. Uh, you know that's right. So I left them in a box in the front of the bookstore. Take them, homeless people. So I'm looking around. Oh, so other than like, all right, obviously I have Star Wars books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's not what Miranda's talking about. I don't know. I gotta tell you. I don't really have a series, a continuation, a section, a group, whatever you want to call it, of stories. I have authors. Nick Hornby. I read all of Hornby's stuff. Though I think, oh gosh, I think I'm a book behind. I got so pulled back. I have to read Star Wars for work, basically, which is great. But I haven't, I haven't taken the time to really read something that's not Star Wars. So Game of Thrones is... Might be the only one. And and I also, but the other thing is I read a lot of, if I'm not reading Star Wars or Game of Thrones or a Nick Hornby book, uh, I, I'm reading more history, more biography, uh, occasional autobiography. But I love, um, just finished one about the true story of the shootout at the OK Corral. I got one of Doc Holliday up to read next. I've read two on Billy the Kid. Yes, I like that era. I got one of the Templar Knights. That's right, Templar Knights, and I got a lot of books from David McCullough. Put a pin in that, I think we'll talk about that in a second. So that might be what I recommend more than anything, Miranda, is don't worry about a series of books, just read some, some history. You know, and I don't mean to say that like snobby. Somebody, quit, quit reading your story books and read about the past so we don't repeat it. No, 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 no. Uh, that's just the interest I have. And then a lot of books about music, and that fall, falls a little bit into some of that biography, autobiography, kind of history stuff. Like, I just love reading the history of things. Um, music, sports, because I am a sports fan, big baseball fan, and I love a good baseball history book. Um, looking at, so I got one here in the summer, Roger, is that Roger Coon? Uh, yeah, his book, uh, Summer of 47, uh, Jeff Perlman's a good writer. He's got a book on the bad guys one, the 86 Mets. And there's just something about that, too. The history of sports, uh, especially baseball, especially early, you know, 40s, 50s. Great time to read about baseball. It's not my favorite era of baseball. Kind of a boring game back then, but titans of the game played then. So great history. Love that. A lot of the Western stuff. And then a lot of the history of pro wrestling I read a lot about, too. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, by Tim Hornbaker called The Death of the Territories, which is uh, basically the expansion of the WWF in the early 80s. Fascinating story of when Vincent K. McMahon, uh, Vince Jr., took it over from his father, uh, bought the company from his father, and his expansion. And, and I've known about it, and most wrestling fans who have any sense of wrestling history know in general about it. But I'm, my friend Dan Farron recommended this book, and I'm really about halfway through and that's that. And yeah, you know, do you have to be a wrestling fan to appreciate that? Yeah, absolutely. But it's still fascinating nonetheless, just hearing some of the details. I love uh, a lot of books. You guys have heard me talk about the history of Saturday Night Live. I, I uh, you know, stand-up comedy, that kind of stuff. I love going back to times in history and, and no one really realizing that they were in, in an epicenter of greatness. And hearing the stories of, you know, the Comedy Store and, you know, Letterman and Robin Williams and Richard Pryor and Leno, and they're all there. It's just a cavalcade of legends, back to back to back to back, and I love hearing that stuff. I really do. So, all right. I don't know, Miranda. I may have failed you a little bit. I do enjoy reading. 
I'll have to I'll have to get a series. Maybe I'll start reading Wheel of Time. It's only got like what 19, 20 books. I'll finish that. All right. Piggybacking on that, Alice Wadsworth is here with a question of who is your favorite GOT character, Game of Thrones, and why? She says, by the way, loving the books. So different. That's right. She just started reading after watching the show for so long, which I do recommend. Uh, all right. So, you know, we talk a lot about Game of Thrones, but, you know, here's the thing. It's a good time to preview what I do want to put together. Uh, one of the Patreon goals I'm trying to still build for is to launch a show called Casterly Talk. We did do a pilot on here. Uh, and... Um, it's something I want to kind of build uh, through Patreon because I want to be able to pay the contributors that work on it with me. And uh, that's something. So if you like hearing me talk about Game of Thrones, that's something you can help uh, get me uh, help, help me reach the goal to help me reach. You know what I'm saying. Uh, so Alice, though, her question about who's her favorite Game of Thrones character. Look, it's impossible. You know, like Star Wars, my favorite character is Han Solo. But come on, I love Luke Skywalker, too. Come on, I love Princess Leia. Come on, I love Admiral Raddus, Ahsoka Tano, Ray Sloan, Infus Ness, Landa Calrissian. I, I love all of them, right? But I can narrow some stuff down. In Game of Thrones, I definitely love the old grumpy characters. And, like, my favorite character in a lot of ways is still Stannis Baratheon. And people hate that. I, I, people throw things at me. People want to leave my life because I'm a fan of Stannis Baratheon. And if you don't know the show, you're still watching, you're still reading the books, I don't want to spoil too much. But he is, in story, he's like, uh, you know, he claims himself king. No one really likes him. He's really gruff. He does some very questionable things because he's fallen under the spell, so to speak, of uh, the Red Woman, um, Melisandre. And, uh, you know, she's, she's not, it's not like he's, he's under a spell actual spell, uh, you know, though sometimes she definitely has her magic and she just, she has her claws in him, you know, she's controlling him. So he does some bad things, which I can admit. But to me, it's not that. The answer, uh, that's the answer, but the, the why is there's just something I connected to with Stannis of just, during the war, during Robert's rebellion, while his brother Robert Baratheon was, was winning a rebellion and winning a war and winning the Iron Throne, he told Stannis, hold Storm's End. Hold our castle. Our, it's, it's, Storm's End is the Baratheon home. And Stannis Baratheon and his army, they do it. There's a siege around them. They are dying. They are starving. They are eating the horses. And then they're moving to the dogs. And then they were looking at eating each other because that's how bad the siege was going. And they were stuck behind the castle walls. And then Sir Davos Seaworth sneaks through the Onion Knight. Well, that he eventually becomes the Onion Knight because he's a smuggler. He smuggles in onions and potatoes and food and saves the day, and they hold it out. Stannis does what was asked. What's his reward? He gets kicked out of that castle, and it's given to Redley Baratheon, his younger brother, who's way more popular, but maybe less, less deserving of, of, of the ancestral home of the Baratheon. So, I get it. I get it. I have a little bit of the prodigal brother's uh, prodigal son's brother syndrome. Uh, I also think in life I do a lot of what's expected of me and sit there and just quietly wait to be recognized, and that doesn't always happen. And it can, you know, turn you grumpy, though it's not necessarily other people's fault. Sometimes it is, you know, on your shoulders. And so you can get a little grumpy, and then you can maybe take shortcuts. You try to reach for glory, and you just want to, uh, someone recognize what I do and and I feel a little uh, connection with Stannis Baratheon over that. I also think there's something to be said about this character 
though he's uh, you know thinks he's king, thinks he's uh, you know, and, I, and and technically he was right. That's I always joke, but the Iron Throne was his by right. Um, you know, when the problems up north, north of the Wall, get to the point where they can't be ignored. Stannis is the one that goes up there to save the day. No one else in the nation would have, and if they knew or not, that can be debated, but uh, even when they did know, wouldn't have done it. Even now. So you go into the final season of Game of Thrones, this whole, you know, winter is coming. Winter has arrived, and it's brought the White Walkers, and it's bad, and everything, and there's still people like, yeah, I don't know. But Stannis already went up there. Now, Stannis, did he go up there to kind of pat out his resume as king and yeah absolutely he made mistakes it is a story of someone sacrificing who they are and, and their own morals to to maybe change the their path because they you know were overlooked for too long um that's a good warning but at the end of the day that's why i like stannis and i, and I like davos seaworth again sir jorah mormont i love same kind of got a a, a honor to him but he's he's always he's he's woe is me and that i connect with that way too much and pines over daenerys all that kind of stuff a lot of stuff i connect with with sir jorah um i also i think he's just a good guy he's done some bad things but i think he he also knows he's made mistakes and takes it on the chin and even to his detriment sometimes and i think i have a habit of doing that too i mess up i will carry the flame of, yep, I messed up, and I'll carry it until it destroys me. So that's some of my answers. I also do love Jon Snow. I love Cersei Lannister. I think Cersei and Tywin is another one. Tywin's another one of those ones where I tell people, like, oh, actually, I'm a really big fan of Tywin Lannister. Like, what? I, I think just think, uh, you know, not a, he's the bad guy. He's one of the villains, but he uh, he's also a, a very good leader, and there's a reason, uh, you know, it's like the New York Yankees of, of Westeros. They win because they try to win, and they build everything towards winning. And that's not always a bad thing in my book. So Tywin Lannister, uh, uh, Lena Headey's so great, and Cersei Lannister. A uh, lot of great characters. A lot of great characters. I, I would say there's very few characters in the Game of Thrones TV show and the books that I don't like. I don't like. And the book changes up things a lot. Uh but, uh, excuse me, the show, I should say, changes things up a lot. But uh, there's still this, the core is still there. It's still all the same. It's still connected. So that's in Game of Thrones talk again. Hopefully I can do some more on Casterly Talk uh, very soon with Lon Harris, Andres Cabrera, uh, Michelle Boyd, Rachel Cushing, uh, Sir Thomas Sattal, some audio. Uh, yeah, uh, audio essays. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right, Tim Van Newland, he's got a question. Tim Van Newland, also I want to give credit, is my Discord kind of uh, admin and helper. Uh, Discord server through Patreon, and it's great, great, fun community is building there. And Tim made that possible, so thank you, Tim. And Tim asks, uh, what is the thing you look forward to every week? For me, Tim, it's going to the movies almost every Friday or watching football, soccer. He has to clarify for us Americans. Every Saturday or Sunday. All right, so what do I look forward to every week? It's a great question because it changes. Like, I think at the end of this week, I'm going to do some socializing. Looking forward to that. But also, uh, I'm looking forward to that because for the last three, four weeks, I haven't socialized because I was looking forward to just staying home. I can make a joke about playing video games, but I'm not a big gamer. I started gaming more this year, you know, getting back to it because of streaming. I'm on Twitch and I had fun and blah, blah, blah. And I, read the, I knew Red Dead Redemption 2 was coming out. Battlefront 2 was out. So 
Uh, I do love uh, MLB The Show and Madden Football, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I don't. It's never been a consistent presence in my life. And also, I, I don't think I'd want that to be my answer. It's not a problem if that's your answer. But I just know I lose myself in the games a little bit too much. But what do I look forward to every week? I mean, I I talk often about the importance of walks. I don't always get to go, but at least one time a week, at various times during the day, whether uh, you know, I'm full, fully and gainfully employed or right now I'm struggling to find work. Doesn't matter. I'll take a time to go for at least a good 30 to 40 minute walk. I can't tell you much how powerful I think they are. So there's those kind of things, uh, you know, sitting around watching a, a British gardening show with the girlfriend is something I look to look forward to probably every day, not just once a week. I, if I, I would do that almost every night. Watching Love Your Garden with Alan Tishmark, uh, Tishmarsh, excuse me, excuse me, Alan. Um, Oh, I love that show. So there's those kind of things. But it's a great question, Tim. And I, I want to know from you guys. Reach out to me on Twitter. Let me know. Hashtag the Napster Files. What do you look forward to every week? Uh, I can also say sleeping in. At least one day. Just one one day per week. Just go for it. Sleep till you can't sleep no more. All right. Kai Thatch. Oh, I love Kai. Great kid. Great kid, that Kai. Uh, he says this. I helped my brother mount a TV he just bought on the shopping day that shall not be named. All right, Kai. Black Friday. That's okay. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. He put it high, almost up to the ceiling. Like uh, I like to have it low. So if you're sitting on the couch, it's at eye level. Well, what is your preference? Also, couch distance. Should you put the couch against the opposite wall so the room looks bigger or put it in the middle of the room closer to the TV? Kai, these are great questions. This is a great series of questions about TV. These are the things we like to solve here in the Knapsack Files. Go in deep. So currently, I have a, 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 you know, a smaller living room in my apartment, but I have a big kitchen, big bathroom, a super closet space, so I'm, I'm good there. Don't cry for me. Uh, but my apartment, my living room is kind of narrow. So I have the couch against the wall and the TV against the other wall, lower eye level. And I will say I like that. But for most of the time, especially when I was living in the house in Northridge and for a long time, an apartment in Studio City, I had it mounted. The TV was on one of those arms and it was up and it was uh, it was high up. So and that and I still have that set up, I should say, is in my bedroom. I'm a two-TV spoiled brat. And so, Kai, that's a good question. I think I prefer it eye level. And, you know, hell, that was how I was raised. So, you know, after, after school cartoons and Saturday morning cartoons, I watch Muppet Babies at eye level, so it would make sense. I like it now. But there is something about, hey, you crawl into bed, and you want to look up. There's something about it's just a little more comfortable looking up. So I guess if you're like me, you can have both. But if I have to choose now, at this point in time, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go against the wall. Now, as far as your interior design question, I am not an expert, and I'm kind of bad at that. But my old roommate wasn't, and he used to always bring in someone to help consult him, and and he, he he'd switch things around, switch things around. And there was time we had kind of the couch far back, and then the couch in the middle of the room. And I I like both. I know I'm not choosing a side, Kai. I know this is an intense debate. But I think, I think always for me, I'm going to tend to go couch against the wall unless you have the space and you can really find a good use for the space between the wall and the couch if there's a lot of room. Like what else goes there? A little, little chair, a little table, a little bench to look out a window. I don't know. I don't know. Another thing for me is like, uh, you know, I, I had a I lived in an apartment for a long time, six, seven years, so... 
my own room, I try to push everything to the wall so I could have room in the center uh, to work out at home if I needed to there. So that always factored in. So, Kai, uh, I want to know all your answers because you might know a little bit better to me. All right. So we got this one here coming in from uh, Manella Menin. Manella. I think I was calling her Manuela. And I apologize. German name. From Germany, she is. She writes, uh, what was your favorite moment from this year? And she says, I know this year isn't over yet. So, hey, yeah, you know, got about a month left. Memories can still happen. Uh, but I'll tell you what the, I'll tell you what my favorite moment of this year is. It was about a month or so after getting laid off when I realized I can do this. Now, what this is has changed already. It's been unclear. I've been overwhelmed. I've been stressed. I've been scrambling. But I'm still going. Now, not that I'm advocating losing your job and not going back to work, but for me, what that means is I lost my full-time job, and for the first time in 20 years in Los Angeles, I wasn't so, you know, didn't have to go to work every day. I mean, I needed to, but I didn't have to. Um, and I wanted to fully pursue my creative dreams, my creative goals. And that is what I'm talking about. I don't recommend living off the dole. It's stressful. I've had, you, you, I can't tell you how much this, this last year has been big old ball of financial stress and financial mistakes that I'm going to pay for and still paying for, um, but it was one of those things of when the layoff happened and we kind of had an inclination it was going to happen. We just didn't know when and we didn't know who, which was tough. But that's life. That's business. So sheer panic, sheer panic, tears, anger, confusion, frustration, and a whole world of emotions. And then the first couple of weeks, you're like, you're still got a tiny, 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 and I'm going to keep saying tiny, tiny, tiny little severance. Um, got a little bit of savings. That's never, that was, they talk about Jason Humphreys and his mistakes. That's what you asked, Jason. Not to get my finances in order a lot sooner in life. Big mistake. But it happens when you're living in the big city, pursuing your creative dreams, living a uh, check to check on a day job. It's, it's the American dream. What's your dream? Welcome to Hollywood. Um, so the first couple of weeks, it was like, well, I didn't know what was happening. I was confused, scared. I don't know. But it's about a month in. Month, five weeks, six weeks at the most, where it was like looking at the year and looking at some of the support I was getting on Patreon. It was, it was growing admirably, and, and uh, I'm very thankful for, for the growth on Patreon during that time. But... Just little things here and there, little freelance gigs. And I, it hasn't worked. I haven't got a, as many freelance gigs as I hoped I would. Uh, the industry's changed dramatically out of other people losing their jobs. Um, and I've had some opportunities to take some work. And a couple opportunities that I wish I would have gotten, and they fell through. I had one job. I accepted it, and you guys would have loved it. Oh, God, it would have been a fun, more behind-the-scenes job for me, but you guys would have loved it. I would have been involved with a, a big Internet property that would have been fun. I would have had this, and I uh, accepted the job and heard, all right, we'll start, we'll start you on Tuesday. And then on Friday, they're like, well, we'll send you an email Friday. Friday confirmed your start time Tuesday. And Friday, I got an email that said, eh, there's no job. Sorry about that. 
Sorry for the confusion. So it's been stressful. But it was about five, six weeks in where I was like, oh, this is okay. I'm going to make it. Come hell or high water, I'm going to make this work. And all this has ended up to this. I, I, I am currently working on something. I can't tell you guys yet what it is. Doing a lot of writing on this one little project. Can't wait to announce it. Um, and it's, it's kind of one of those like dream projects. Um, taking a risk to do because it's, it's, a, it's a financial burden now, but hopefully something that works later. And, and, I'm de- and I'm not even doing it for the money. I'm doing it because, wow, this is going to be something that I can say I did. And I don't think I'd get that if I didn't lose my job. And I didn't, five weeks later, realize that's all right. And that was my favorite moment from this year. Eric Tassoni writes. All right, Schmodown related. Here we go. Ken, when you went for went to heel for the Schmodown, turned bad for no uh, non-wrestling fans. When I, when I went heel for the Schmodown, did you worry or have any concerns that it might affect your state of, quote, digital branding as someone who watch, uh, uh, watches professional wrestling? Uh, growing up, I understood, but my wife got very frustrated with you and your change in attitude at the time. That made me realize there was a possibility of losing subscribers, Patreon supporters, Etc. that did uh, not understand the behind-the-scenes aspect of it. Say, so what Eric is saying, hey, on the Schmodown, we played, you know, for those who are not too familiar with it, uh, over on uh, Collider Video, but it's produced by Schmoes No. Movie Trivia Schmodown uh, started years ago, part of the Schmoes No live show. A little bit of theatrics, but mostly just a straight-ahead trivia con- uh, contest. And then um, Christian really put a lot of hard work into alternate into just kind of this... Pro wrestling meets movie trivia. So we all kind of play different characters, but it's us. So it's Ken Napsock. So it's not Tex Tunney, my wrestling persona from back in the day. Um, it's me, Ken Napsock. So yeah, when you're on the show and people are loving you and you're doing good, like I was for a while, a quote, good guy, then my character went kind of bad. Now the competition, the movie trivia competition side of it is is still very much real and unplanned and everything, but everything else is, is we do sketches, videos, characters. You're in you're in character. And it does, Eric, cause a little bit of problems for me. I'll say a little bit for me. Other people, it's caused bigger problems. And I understand why. I understand why. Because when I'm playing, uh, you know, as Ken Napsuck, the uh, Star Wars champion that everyone loves, and I'm I'm teaming up with Rachel the Crusher Cushing, and, and we're a, a an underdog team, but everyone loves the superstar that's uh, you know Rachel, uh, you know superstar in the making, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, the storyline comes up that uh, I'll be honest with you, I pitched to Christian, but turning me bad. And siding with the Lions Den, which was the big villain faction at the time. And we had this thing planned out for a bit. We talked about it. I started dropping subtle hints. And which is fun because I remember some people in the comments were like, oh, they're, they're pretending like this was planned out. We, I'm talking months in advance. And there was little, little things I was doing on broadcasts that were later you could go back and go, ah, oh, it's a clue that Ken's uh, attitude was changing. A lot of fun. I, I come from the world of pro wrestling. Grew up watching pro wrestling. Still watch pro wrestling. I've been in the ring, booked for pro wrestling. So helped run a locker room. This is great storytelling. It's part of the fun. 
But yeah, Eric, you're right. Your your wife's not alone. Uh, I got people really upset, and I got a couple people saying I was going to support you on Patreon. I'm not. Uh, I don't think anyone deleted their Patreon support specifically, but I got people unfollowing me, tweeting at me for a while. And I will say that back then, which was only a year and a half ago or two years at the most, uh, it was uh, people were not as keen, uh, you know, tuned in to to what we were doing. So yeah, even then it was like, what what have you done stuff on you know we saying about Rachel and you know behind the scenes, Rachel's one of my favorite people. I helped bring her into this. Uh, I you know Clark Wolf is the one who said she's got to compete. And Christian talked her into it, but I was the one who was like, yeah, I'll team with her. Let's bring her in. Let's do it. And I uh, would help coach her uh, prior to the matches, behind the scenes real quick, you know, to get on some of the performance side of it down. So I felt, I felt bad. I felt bad, but, uh, you know, it's part of the game. And, and the other thing is because it bleeds over into social media, there's just this, it's, I don't think it's ever going to not be confusing for some folks even the ones who do understand the behind-the-scenes aspect of it. There's a lot of people who, who understand there's a storyline going on, but then I think they get caught up as fans and they play with it, and they think they're playing with it, but really they're being really mean or rude or trollish. And I think a lot of times they don't intend to, that that's not their intention. They're watching this kind of like a sport. They're watching this kind of like of an entertainment thing. And they're watching their favorites, and they're booing. And so there are sometimes, uh, after big matches, I'll get some tweets. And I could just tell the person's playing along with me on Twitter. Um, but I don't I don't give into it as much. But some of the other Shmodown competitors have. They have tweeted in character, uh, tweeted in gimmick. And that can create an interesting situation, you know, where, where, you know, the next day. So one day you're like, I'm going to tear you apart. When we get in the movie trivia showdown, I'm going to rip your head off and win that, win that trivia title. And the next day you're like, Hey, here's my podcast about the 12 movies to watch during the, the Christmas season. And then someone's going to, you know, see it and be like, F you, man, you're, you're trying to take that title from the guy I like. And it, it happens a lot. And then and some of the criticisms, but I, I never got in too much into it. I also never really, really, very rarely do I tweet in gimmick. Uh, even now, I'm talking, I am I am breaking kayfabe, as it would say now, which is uh, kind of the correct term of kayfabe. Um, a lot of people, a lot of fans of the Schmodown incorrectly use the term kayfabe to just say the storylines. That's not it. Kayfabe is the protection of the storylines and the protection of the work. Um... But yeah, so even right now, I'm t- I'm t- I just don't, I don't get into it. I don't, I don't, I show up, tape my matches, say what I'm supposed to say, uh, retweet the match when it comes out, but I don't, very rarely do I get on there and, and do it. A lot of times, and like right now, I might uh, tweet stuff to Alex Damon, Star Wars Explained, Star Wars Trivia Champion. I might tweet some tweet some here, but he and I are texting weekly or so, you know, hey, well, how you doing? He's, he's become a friend of mine and... Just such a sweetheart of a person. He and his wife Molly out there in Atlanta are just wonderful souls. And, you know, everything I say is in good fun. And I keep it, I keep it to a certain level. I also will say, Eric, and this is something, you know, that uh, your, your, your wife could react to, you know, I think the transition was so good. I had so much fun, but I see other other people who go bad in the movie trivia showdown, or or take it not too seriously because that's to, 
that's disrespectful to them. I think this is our work and this is our entertainment. You should take it seriously. But I've seen I've seen them just eh, take it one level too much, and then it be, so then it becomes confusing for the fans because then two competitors are getting into a real Twitter war or they're on a podcast getting into a real fight about it, which is fine. Passions run strong. I'm a competitive sports loving person as well, so I get it. Um, but then I think the fans don't know what to do with that. And that's not the fans' fault. No one's fault. Just the way it is. So it's an interesting thing. It's interesting. It's a great observation, Eric. I don't talk about Schmodown much here in the Napsack Files, but when it's an interesting question, uh, I, I love uh, diving into it. So, Eric, hope that answers your question. And please tell your wife I apologize for hurting her feelings. Uh, I hope she knows I have nothing but respect for Rachel Cushing. And uh, maybe she can root for me again sometime. Rocky Persinger asks, who is a historical figure you look to for inspiration and maybe a quote from that person? All right, so I read a lot of history books, a lot of uh, biographies, autobiographies, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I do have a lot in mind. But I, I would tend to go, it's funny, I, I think, think, you know, there's a reason Star Wars and Game of Thrones and Marvel movies and DC movies are so popular, and I'll do respect to, actually, there's not a lot of respect due to Bill Maher. I've never really liked Bill Maher, but his thing, thing following Stanley's death was just ludicrous. I understand it. Hey, we're all reading comic books now. The art we're hanging in, like, my apartment, the art I have hanging, I have an original piece from Heather Grace Hancock, which uh, you can start purchasing that stuff on Society6. But I have an original piece you made just for me. Um, that, other than that, it's, uh, you know, Nan Lawson's uh, pop culture art, like my Leia art. I have Game of Thrones art. I, I have uh, Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the Two Towers um, movie, uh, you know, posters, kind of, kind of a fan art type of thing. But um, I have stuff like that. So I understand to a degree what Bill Maher was saying, but I'm looking at like people I look up to and, and even quote, there's a re- it's just it's a lot of it is Star Wars. A lot of it is Yoda. A lot of it is, you know, Luke, whatever you want to say. So that, that I, that's not my answer, by the way, but that, that's where my mind goes. But looking at historical people, I mean, I also look at creative influences in my life. Some like Steve Martin. I mean... Uh, he's he's one of the reasons I'm doing this. Even some, you know, a, a professional wrestler like Rowdy, Rowdy Piper, and there's, you know, things that uh, he said, hey, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the late great Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, what the hell, you you know, use the bell. That's one of his wisdom, words of wisdom. So, stuff like that. But I do have an answer because it's one of my favorite quotes, and it might say a lot about me. And I've read a lot about this guy. And looking at the book right now on my shelf, and I've uh, I watched the HBO miniseries, and that's John Adams. And I really, uh, such something I love about uh, John Adams, uh, that, that miniseries with, with Paul Giamatti playing him, I think it's great. It's based on David McCullough's book. And David McCullough has written a ton of great books about history and people in history and moments and uh, you know bridges or canals in history. I mean, he, he's ri- written a lot, and it's great. And it's thick... Thick, dense reading. Make no mistake. Great writer. Uh, great uh, n- kind of narrative to his nonfiction. But sometimes uh, I-, I read uh, one about 1776 that I think I actually still have to finish because uh, just got so, so dense. And then one about Teddy Roosevelt, the, his early life. Fascinating. 
And Roosevelt's a great character, Teddy Roosevelt. But I'll say John Adams for this, Rocky, and a lot of it's based around this quote. And I actually, you know, quotes are weird. You know, what's the thing, you know, the trouble with the quotes on the Internet? You you can never know who said it. It's like a picture of, you know, Abraham Lincoln uh, in 1992. Um, Quotes are sticky situations for historical figures is what I'm trying to say. But this one I didn't get from like a meme or I didn't get from some website. I I was reading the book, John Adams by David McCullough, and I um, I, I wrote this down as as I read it because it just was like, yeah, this this makes a lot of sense to me. And the quote is, there is nothing I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties, each arranged under its leader and converting measures in opposition to each other. John Adams, right around the turn of century, 1800, uh, right around that time. I don't have the exact year. It might have been sooner. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one. That one That one rings true to my heart and my soul, um, especially nowadays and especially then. John Adams, you read about his presidential election campaigns, they got ugly, personal, personal, nasty stuff. Uh, for the old uh, second president of the United States there. So, uh, yeah, that, you know, nothing I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties, each arranged under its leader, converting measures in opposition to each other. That, that, that says a lot about my state of being often. So, hope that answers your, your question, Rocky. Uh, coming down here towards the end here, I do believe... Uh, for this round, I got, I got so many, I got so many questions, man. I think I might have to do a part two saying, I'm looking at it now. We might be doing a part two. Are you guys okay with maybe a part two next week? We could do that too. It's the holidays. Why not? Maybe I'll take some more. Maybe not. Is this, is this, is this, is this entertaining anybody? Are you not entertained? Question mark. All right, uh, here's one here I want to uh, answer, and that is um, uh, Mark Herring says, Hello, Ken. I've been trying to think of a good question all day, but I haven't had any good, good luck whatsoever. So my question is the first one that popped into my mind. When was the last time you had to use a screwdriver and why? He says, I know this is extremely random, but I just fixed a cabinet door in my house while listening to the afternoons. Well, you know what? I love a good screwdriver. I love a, a Phillips a flathead. Uh, I have a, I have a, you know, a power uh, driver. Um, I sometimes I mess those up more than than you think. So the last time I have, I have a f- quite a few screwdrivers around. I'm not like the most handy person, but uh, I do have them. And it would be, I am trying to give you an honest answer. I do believe it was looking around my apartment. I know I had to hang a lot of stuff. When I moved in, but it's been a while now. I think it was. Oh, I think I'm looking at it right now. I had to tighten uh, a cupboard, a handle uh, on the cupboard up here. A little cabinet like you. You just fixed a cabinet door. Well, that's my answer too, Mark. True story. I'm looking at it right now because it's still crooked. The door itself, crooked. I thought the handle was a little loose. I couldn't fix that. So that's the last thing I've used. Now I want to work uh, work on that and get uh, get some screwdrivers out. All right. So we're gonna come towards the end here. You guys been okay? You guys like this? 
you guys like answering that? Let me answer the question. So maybe, I don't know why I'm talking about that. I don't, know I'm talking, I don't know why I'm talking like this. Final one for this episode. Griffin writes, hey, Ken. Well, hey, Griffin. Longtime fan here. Just wondering if the Christmas music is actually enjoyable or just a way to get in the mood of Christmas. Personally, I get tired of it all. About a week or so, the old song, I consistently enjoy this wonderful Christmas time because, well, McCartney always thanks a ton. Thank you, Griffin. Yeah. It's a... It's not one of McCartney's best songs, but I'm like, I'm with you too. Like, I'm simply having a wonderful Christmas time listening to Paul McCartney, Linda McCartney, and Wings sing, and I'm okay with it. I do like Christmas music in general, but I do agree. And, you know, again, from someone who worked in malls for 17 years, you damn well better believe that, like, ouch, like, Christmas decorations go up. There's like a twitch in my eye. Um, Santa displays, oh, God, that, that. The fights we'd have to deal with at a Santa display. Santa Santa displays in malls go up like mid-November, before Thanksgiving. The whole kit and caboodle. And I'd walk by every day to go get my coffee. And you'd see Santa sitting there and his happy little elves, just some like college girls, uh, you know, getting a weekend job, whatever, or, or a day job. And Santa's sitting there, and not a soul around him for three to four weeks. Then suddenly, mid-December, people were like, oh, we need, our, we need a Santa picture. Our kids need to have a Santa picture with some retired guy who grew a beard, or in some cases didn't, just has a fake beard on, and we need that picture. Um, and I, mid-December, I get, I get. Now you're, you know, now you're in the Christmas spirit. We're going to go out to the in-laws on Christmas Day. Let's get a picture now. Let's go pay a lot of money for a Santa picture in the mall. That will work. I get it. But it's, then it's packed. You have to know by this point it's packed. But again, two weeks out, I can understand. Maybe come on a Tuesday afternoon, plan your life a little better. But hey, work, job, kids, family, get it. Saturday might be the day. It's the people that show up, no joke, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, which, by the way, usually most malls close early so people could finally go home after working Black Friday, also finally get the hell out of Dodge, shut early on Christmas Eve. And so at one point, at some point, they do a, you know, they'll do that calculation the Disney line queue management calculation of, wow, if we don't cut the line off here, Santa ain't going home. And Santa's really some guy named Bob who taught auto shop for 32 years. We're not going home. We've got to shut the line off. And the line sometimes will wrap around like the center of the mall or the center of the display. So at some point, and this is Christmas Eve, what are you doing waiting to the last day to get your Christmas pictures with Santa? And if like three of the family step forward and say, hey, we didn't get paid or we, we spent all of our money on gifts and we finally got a paycheck where we could do this. Okay. Okay. Try going at 10 a.m. It's the people that show up like five o'clock on Christmas Eve with two strollers and their hopes of getting a Santa picture. And at some point, the Santa people have to be like, 
Uh, this is the end of the line. You guys are good. I'm sorry. You 12 behind here. Most likely, if you stay in line, we'll try to get to you. Most likely, we're not going to be able to get to you before the closing of our business. Because, by the way, this isn't really Santa. We all need to go home. They can't afford to pay us overtime. And it's usually those 12 families behind it. I get it's frustrating, particularly if you're like, the first, like hey, move it, move it back one more. Here's 10 bucks. Let me go. Oh, my. It is as if you, you took the entire family and threw them in a river. It's as if you ran them over with a snowplow. The anger, the violence, the vitriol, and I'm going to say again, the violence that comes ripping out of these people <laughs> the night before Christmas. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the land, "'people in Santa lines were fighting hand in hand. "'Oh, my. "'I mean, I've seen and been involved with "'in terms of trying to stop uh, gang fights "'where eight gang members are fighting seven gang members, "'and there's screwdrivers. "'Hey, there's a use of a screwdriver. Uh, "'Weapons. Uh, knives, guns, whatever have you. Boots, chairs, tables, mannequins. I saw. I once saw a gang fight in which one uh, rival uh, gang member beat the other rival with a mannequin. He saw it like a Forever 21. True story. Um, I've, I've seen those fights not be as violent as the reactions to people getting cut off in the Santa line at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve as if we've just stolen all your gifts, burnt your tree, and bulldozed your house. So that wasn't the question (laughs) that Mark asked. Uh, Excuse me, that Griffin asked. But he started talking about Christmas music. And look, I'm saying all that to say that I, despite all that, I actually still like Christmas music. I'm okay with it. But I like a little bit more of the rock and roll stuff. Uh, Tom Petty, good Christmas song. Uh, Pretenders, 2,000 Miles. Love that Christmas song. You too. Uh, baby, please. It's Christmas time. Baby, please come home. Love that one a lot too. And my old radio station back in the day, uh, you know, we would switch over. Like Thanksgiving weekend, boom, out came a lot of, we'd play most of our, our regular rock songs, of course, but a lot of Christmas music in there. And I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it. Do I have a problem walking into like a Walgreens uh, on October 28th in this Christmas music? Yeah, yeah, okay. Do I like a lot of the old standards? Yeah, they're all right. Uh, I can get behind a little, uh, you know, Bing Crosby and David Bowie doing a little drummer boy, whatever. I like uh, it was a white Christmas um, chestnuts opening, uh, roasting an open fire. Just that's a, what I love that. Lyric, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Like, well, okay. Um, I like all that, and I'm okay with it. Despite all the things I've seen, oh, the tales I could tell around Christmas, around the, the, the push uh, uh, of the retail side of Christmas, despite all that, despite the fights, despite the parents screaming bloody murder and engaging in physical violence because they didn't get a picture of their child with some retired teacher posing as Santa. Uh, I still like Christmas music. I might listen to some now. So, 
That is the first part of the Q&A. Hell, I might just do this next week. Would you all indulge me? Let me know. Please let me know. I'd like to do it again. I love just having my mind wander to areas I wouldn't normally wander. But thank you to all who post these questions on my Patreon page. Like I said, you can go to patreon.com slash files and support. But uh, also the best way to support is just spreading the word. Listening. Let me know. I do have to give a special shout-out, as I always do, to my producer and executive producer supporters. That is Jason Humphreys, The Hump, Pags, Kai Thatch, Alex Marriott, Kyle Gerpen, Zach Anderson, Donna Long, Jonas Berggren, Corey Morissette up there in Canada, Graham Bell, Kyle Harlow, who designed the great Afternoons Jam t-shirt, which is available at uh, my Tee Public store. Uh, David Triana out there in Orlando. Ty Schellenberger. Ty and I go way back. Old friend of mine. I'm glad to have him here supporting me, and uh, he is spectacular. Uh, Ty, I love you, man, even though you're a fan of the Giants. Sorry about Eli Manning. David Hamm, these are my executive executive producers now. Excuse me, David Hamm, that's DJ Snacks. Thomas Risley and Sir Thomas Atal, part of Casterly Talk. Hopefully that, uh, more of that soon. Lethal Logan X, the owner of MPW Millennium Pro Wrestling. Matthew Simon Bedore, my Fortnite coach, and uh, just now my, uh, you know, I don't Fortnite as much. She's my Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, uh, compatriots, as we'll say. Jacob at Star Wars Legends Con, uh, Matthew Maroney, that's not slack, uh, Matthew Thompson at TMP Media and Productions, uh, Taymor, and I, you know, Taymor, I always, I always say his last name's Butta, and I know that's not right. Uh, so, but, uh, he and his brother Abdul, big sense, uh, but, uh, Taymor, I, I've been saying his wrong Twitter handle and supporting, uh, trying to support him, but Taymor, T-A-Y-M-O-O-R 23, that's the right one now change it and then a new executive producer nikki baldwin uh, uh, so glad to have nikki aboard uh, she was a big screen junkies fan used to communicate with her for sju episodes back in the day good to have nikki here as well so those are my producer and executive producer supporters they make a lot of things happen and they're getting some special gifts soon here so uh that is that that is that as i said go to my t public store if you want if you want to support spread the word uh you know hey my mom and dad bought some shirts that's good that's good but again more than anything i just appreciate that you guys are here for the knapsack files Started in 2013. We took a little break in 2016, but we've still been going strong. A show a week, at least. Love to get a little bit more. I'd love to do that. Yeah, let's build a little bit more out here. Let's do that soon as we look towards 2019. I can't say thank you enough to anyone who is listening now and has listened before and will continue to listen. I appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Ken Napsock. That is it. We'll see you all. Bye.